This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Drew chats with former Rockies pitcher Josh Fogg. That group that went to the World Series in 07, you still have a really unique bond, don't you? Oh, for sure. And as soon as we get back in the same room, it, it might as well be 07, 06 again. You know, it, we just, it, it just clicks again. The escalating fallout from the Houston Astros scandal. How far will it go? What do you think you're going to see in spring training games? Do you think it's going to go old school retaliation right off the bat against the Astros? It's going to put the umpires in a difficult situation. And Drew and Julie have your chance to win $50 in Boyer's Coffee. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Hey, everybody. Glad you're along for show number 32 of the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Uh, I'm Drew, and the uh, beautiful female voice you're going to hear if you uh, haven't figured it out is Julie coming up. Hey, long weekend, President's Day weekend. What did you do? Did you behave? I hope not. <laughs> I had a friend in from San Diego who has never been to Denver. Male or which female? Which is a male friend. and Boyfriend? No, friend friend. Friend friend. Yes. Men and women nope. can be friends. Okay. No friends with benefits. Just a friend, friend. Oh, friend, 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 okay. friend. So think about this. If you had somebody coming from out of town who's never been here, you have a blank slate, what would you do? So this is what I did in 24 hours. I took him to Red Rocks. I took him to the Little Bear for lunch. I took him to the cruise room at the Oxford Hotel. I took him to Union Station. I took him to the Maven where we've done the broadcast, which by the way, we're going to be there on March 11th. We're doing another show We're out doing there. Another show. I can't wait. That's going to be a blast. We had so much fun. We ate dinner after. A lot of great questions. Um, we had about four hundred thousand people in the room. <laughs> right. No, right, we right. did. We had like forty people in the room. It was good. So yeah, make sure you, did... make sure you come on down on March eleventh. And Go you ahead. know what I liked? Honestly, we did some Q and A, Rocky's Q and A after, yeah. which was great. And it's the evening. We'll give you an exact. What we're going to get going? What time? Seven o'clock Wednesday Seven o'clock, night. Seven o'clock Wednesday, the eleventh. Yeah. And then so, we went to an abs game. There you, you go. You really in twenty four hours? Yeah, oh, you we did all it. of that. Yeah. Did you run stairs at Red Rock? Because I know like the Eagles weren't playing there. No, we stood on stage and we just looked up and thought, how cool would it be to be a rock star and play at Red Rocks? That's yeah. what we did. Who's your favorite? I've never asked you this. Who's your favorite all-time, because you're a woman, female yes. performer? Like if you could be blank, because you're sitting, you're standing up there on stage at Red Rocks. Yeah, you know, that's... Uh, I not like I'm a huge fan of theirs, but I always thought the ladies. This is going to age me. The ladies from Heart were great because they could sing and then they could play the guitar. Right, they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. What about Linda Ronstadt? No, Linda Ronstadt. No. What'd you do on President's Day? I went skiing. Nice. Which yeah. is the second? It's like a besides the holidays, it's supposed to be nuts up there. Yeah, and you know we're lucky because we live here, so we try to avoid all the nutso days when there are a lot of tourists and a lot of people up there. However. It was going to be and was a huge powder day because it was dumping up there. Mm -hmm. So I went up, stayed with uh, my buddy on Sunday night. We actually rolled over the pass. It took a little while longer over Vail Pass, I should say, mm -hmm. and went out in Vail, met some people we know there. Where'd you go in Vail? Uh, Basil. Okay. And I had to think about that for a second. Uh -huh. And uh, we had a great time, great meal. And, you know, Vail's got a great vibe. There were still a lot of people running around. So we kind of hung out there for a little bit and mm -hmm. then- Later that evening, made the way back over the pass to Copper, and we were, you know, we were like, you know, eighth chair up at eight thirty in the morning. And I just skied. wondered who did that. That's oh. you. Oh yeah, <laughs> on a powder day? You kidding me? So we skied our ass oh. off for about four hours uh -huh. and skied. You know, we know that mountain pretty well. We skied untracked basically the whole day. It was awesome. 
Um, are you the kind of skier that packs like peanut butter and jelly? Hell no. Okay, me either. Like no. I want to go into the lodge and I want to sit there for about an hour with mm. my boots off and I want to eat very expensive food. Here's what I do. And the beautiful mm. thing about skiing in this day and age is, and for a long time, they have high-speed lifts. We live in Colorado. Typically, there aren't lines. I go hard for a few hours and I'm done. So mm-hmm. it's not like when we were growing up. I grew up in the East. You grew up, you were on the lift at nine. Then you had the lunch you were talking about, <laughs> yeah. right? Loosened the boots up. Then you went back out and you skied till four o'clock. Plus, you were a lot younger. Here with the lift system now, you can ski your butt off for you know two and a half to three and a half hours and be done. So when we went and ate lunch, I was done after that. Then I got in the car and I went down the mountain. Good for you. So very different than maybe some of your uh, co-workers who are in Arizona since you were skiing. Yes, yes, yes. Spring training is underway. It is officially underway. And we're going to start with our What's Hot brought to you by Boyer's Coffee because Nolan Arenado talked to the media. He did. And you know what was interesting? Nolan, in the past, he's always there early. I mean, Nolan plays baseball, you know, 24-7, 365 or whatever that line is. Uh, but he was working out not at the facility. He was working out a, a few minutes away. I think he was working out at Arizona State, if I remember right. Anyhow, he answered questions exactly as we had speculated on our little show, Julie, that he would. He said, listen, he loves the game. He loves his teammates. He's all about winning. He's all about putting his best foot forward, and that's all that matters for him going forward. He also said he's not taking back anything he said. Mm -hmm. And and I think he acknowledged that sometimes these types of things happen. He added that certain things are going to stay private, as they probably should. Yeah. But, you know, he he got out there and he answered all the questions and he was pleasant about it. Um, I, I give him a lot of credit. And I now know, again, what we've talked about, Julie. It is all about how the Rockies play going forward. And hopefully, knock on wood, they play really well. And this becomes um, the story that didn't mean a whole lot from the winter of 2020. That That's what I hope is a guy who loves Nolan, a guy who loves his ability, mm-hmm. and is a guy who loves the Rockies just like you do and want to see them play well. I thought it was good, too, that he also said what I was frustrated at has nothing to do with my teammates. I'm not talking about what I think of my teammates or what I think how how good they are or, you know, because I think all the guys really support him. So he he definitely wanted to make that message made. One of the things that he said and a couple of the other guys talked about is maybe a little bit of a culture change in that clubhouse in leadership, because Nolan, as you've alluded to, he just wants to go out and play he wants to play baseball. He doesn't want to be the, I don't think he wants to be that leader, that guy. He really just wants to play baseball and he wants to win. But I think he's realized and he's talked about, he needs to be a little bit more vocal. He needs to invest more time, I think, in some of the younger players. Um, that's just maturation to me. But I think he realizes for the success of the team, he's got to get maybe more involved in that than maybe he was so inclined to do. Yeah, and I think you're right. His personality, you've been around him, his personality is he's a grinder. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the great baseball players are grinders. And there is a self-centeredness to virtually every great athlete. There has to be. Usually when we use that phrase self-centered, you go you cringe like, "Oh man, that what it's a negative connotation typically." Mm-hmm. Well, in baseball, you have to have it. You know, Charlie has to be self-centered and he's going to he's gonna get his lifting done. He's going to get his stretching done. He's going to get his, his running done. He's going to get his video work done. Nolan's the exact same way. And it's almost not, not to the exclusion of interacting with mm-hmm. other 
players and teammates. They're great teammates, but I mean, they have that jaw set, so to speak, when they arrive at one o'clock in the afternoon. And I think he was acknowledging, you kind of heard this also from Charlie. Yeah. That they have thing either. No, they're, they're great guys. They're well-respected, well-liked as teammates, but they're not cargo. They're not para who can get their work done and be in fantastic shape, et cetera, et cetera, but also kind of be the life of the party. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you can't force that either. It, you can't be, it's gotta be part of your DNA, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Another guy that said that he wanted to be part of that culture change of leadership moving forward was Ian Desmond. Now Ian's coming up to his fourth year of five year deal. And I thought that was really interesting because he, he was pretty, he looked, seemed like he, you know, looked in the mirror and said, I, I said I was going to do this when I got here. I didn't really do that. Like I was really kind of looking at my, my personal numbers, my personal failures, maybe fixating on that. And what I want to do this year is I want to, that's my number one priority is to be that kind of leader, be a better teammate, help out the younger players. That's a shift in Ian. Yes and no. And I, I think he is such an adult and I, I've taken criticism um, on social media. Oh, that's what? unusual, right? <laughs> right. I, because on the air, I don't, I have stated many times and I, that this is, a tremendous leader and he's great in the clubhouse and that has additional value juxtaposed just against his numbers right because so many people have to steal a word you just used a moment ago fixated on you know how many home runs what his on-base percentage and batting averages and how many people he, he's driven in as opposed to other things he he brings to the table and i thought the Rockies were very upfront when they signed him to that five-year deal. It wasn't exclusively about what he could do on the field. It was also what he presented in the clubhouse, what he presented in the community as being a leader. So the fact that he said that in the last 24, 48 hours, Julie, as we tape this, to me, he's been that guy. And I know, listen. And but he, he said he wasn't, which I thought yeah, was interesting. I, I, I th- listen, I'm not in the clubhouse every day. Yeah. But I but I know in talking to the Trevor Stories, mm-hmm. uh, the Garrett Hampsons, the, the young players, and I've witnessed him doing leadership things mm-hmm. that, that Ian has been a outstanding leader. Now, does he want to take it again to another level? Mm-hmm. Evidently, he does. And, and good for him for trying to block out the noise of – did you live up to the contract? You, as an athlete, um, even even doing what we do, you got to block out the noise, man. Oh, yeah. In, in this day and age. I think I've told you this. Uh, so I'll be the, the fan in this because I'm not there nearly as much as you are. He just always seems kind of grumpy to me. And maybe that's just because he's an intense guy and I don't know him. So then I think I think about the deal and that he hasn't lived. And I, he would tell you he hasn't lived up to it. So um I would love to see a better year from. I would love to see a better year yeah. from Ian Desmond, right? Yeah. I here's what I really hope. Um, I think I'll tell you a quick story. When when he was with Washington, 
Um, I, one of the things I always do, I've told stuff like this before. Part of my preparation is I hang around the batting cage and it's not just to ask pointed questions. It's to develop relationships and, and BS with guys on our team and on the visiting team. And, and, you know, sometimes a story emanates from that, that you can utilize on the air. At the very least, you're also developing relationships. So the next time you play Washington, right. you know, you have a couple of go-to guys. Ian Desmond, for me, we didn't play Washington a lot, one series there, one series here. He was always my go-to guy and i'm not i'm not alone in that Mm -hmm. because he you know was always a leader he was a leader as Mm -hmm. a young guy in washington um you know he's a very bright guy uh and and he was that guy in fact when he came here i did a a long interview after his press conference for at&t sportsnet and um we, you know, he gave, even though he didn't know me well, but he knew who I was because of these interactions. Yeah. He gives me a big hug, you know, and we, and we have a, you know, a sit down. And I think because he didn't in that first year, you know, he was hurt a lot, didn't yeah. put up the numbers as you suggest, that it, I don't think the community of Denver understands truly how good a guy this guy is, some of the other things he brings, and mm-hmm. they just look at the numbers. When we went to Washington the first time, mm-hmm. and even in, in, in ensuing years that the Rockies have played in Washington, Julie, he gets standing ovations. He was that well-liked. He was that well-liked and that well-respected. Yeah. Well, that's a good reason to listen to this podcast, is so you get that inside, because I didn't. I think fans don't know that. We beat up guys all the time, right? We beat up, oh, well, this athlete whoa, whoa, did whoa, this. Whoa. Go ahead. Okay. Yes. And then yes, but they also need to perform. So don't make it sound like, no, you know, right? You're you're right. At the end of the day, it's about performance unless you perform well, but you're a horseshit guy off the field. This guy is an yeah. A-plus person. Okay. And I'm sure he wants to hit 30 homers this year, you know, and drive in 95 and steal 20 yeah. bags again. So I'm the Grump Show. No, I, I, I think <laughs> no, I love, no, you, you I, made I, valid points. But I like I like your insight on this. If you, you know, sometimes in the morning we're a little grumpy, right? And that's Not why me. I'm always, <laughs> you know, a ray of sunshine. You on so the other hand, I you. Reach, but the first thing that I do, the first thing I do is I get up and I have a cup of coffee. And you know, the first thing I do these days is now I get up and I have a cup of Boyers because Boyers is one of our official sponsors. They were they are the official coffee of the Colorado Rockies. We are big fans of Boyers Coffee. Been roasting coffee in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. They are. If you want to stop by, I always say this. You can stop by their old schoolhouse cafe, 7295 Washington Street. They have a wonderful selection there. You can get your Rockies coffee there. You can also find it at the store. You can find it online. Um, Boyer's Coffee is very, very much in the community. We've talked about this. They've gone to Peru before, helped build a school there. That's what we'll get. You know what? We will um, get into that a little bit more and talk about that whole story because it's it's pretty cool. It's a fascinating story. We're just talking about all the things that Ian Desmond does off the field, not mm-hmm. only in the clubhouse, but everywhere he's ever been, whether it was in Washington, Texas, or now in Denver, he's celebrated for all of the community involvement, legit community involvement, not just when a camera is following you. Well, Boyers is that way as well. Plus, do you know they, they utilize, and I don't even know how they, you know, all of the things not being a, a chef or anything right. but you can utilize there's a lot of recipes involved that like they have oh, boyer's yeah. fudgesicles how good <laughs> does that sound i will make some for us the next podcast oh, you know how to do that <laughs> well i'll find out and they also have boyer's coffee steak rub how good does that sound boyer's 
The Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman is sponsored in part by Boyer's Coffee. And right now, Drew and Julie are giving you the chance to win $50 in Boyer's Coffee. To enter, just tell Drew and Julie who you think is going to be this year's Rocky Sleeper. Go to the DrewGoodmanPodcast.com, click on Contact, fill in some info, and say who you think is going to be this year's surprise Rockies player. And you're automatically entered to win $50 in Boyer's Coffee. Good luck from Boyer's Coffee and the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Broman. So the number one thing going on to spring training now, other than the fact that we love that spring training is finally here, is players talking, complaining, bitching, rightfully so, about the Astros scandal and that um, the Dodgers are beside themselves, right? That they didn't, a lot of, not a lot of people think that the apology was sincere, um, you know, Dusty Baker came out, the Astros manager and said, wants to appeal to Major League Baseball that, hey, if there's any retaliation, it's not good for the game. It's not good for the kids to see. Well, I get it, Dusty, but that's not good for kids to see either is to know that, that there's cheating. So and that, you know, they won a World Series possibly that way. So what do you think you're going to see in spring training games? Do you think it's going to go old school retaliation right off the bat against the Astros? Well, Dusty obviously doesn't want to see that. and He's trying to get out ahead of it. I think it's one of the reasons that the Astros wisely, I'm a big Dusty fan, wisely hired him to manage. Now you have a grown ass adult in that clubhouse every day he's a man he, he's a grown man <laughs> yeah. who has been a fabulous manager for a number of teams and rather than hire the 30 something year old guy nothing against the 30 something year old guy they needed to hire an adult and so dusty is trying to change the narrative a little bit mm-hmm. now rob manfred's out in front of this also he has visited now with all 30 managers in major league baseball or 29 because you know, obviously Houston's managed by Dusty, but Dusty is part of this and said there will not be any we're not going to retaliate with beanballs. It's going to put the umpires in a difficult situation because let's say a pitch gets away and hits Jose Altuve. Truly, I mean, was without intent. Are they going to run that guy off right away and you lose your starting pitcher in the in the first inning? So it's, it, it, it's a slippery slope. Um, but he, Rob Manfred, rightfully so, had to get out in front of where everybody's taking a shot at, you know, Bregman and Altuve and Correa and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Would you have liked to have seen that? Um, no, you can't do that. First of all, I, I like when baseball monitors itself. Mm-hmm. You can never throw above the shoulders. You know, if, you, if you're going to come in and you're going to come in with intent, we're talking about hitting somebody, it has got to be you know, on the frame of the body. You can't, you cannot throw upstairs. You cannot, I mean, you can kill somebody literally. We know that. Right. The other part of this, there's, there's several other things um, about this. When you talk about guys who are upset, Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, some of the biggest names in the sport have been very outspoken saying, you know, they cheated, but some of them have gone as far as saying that the players should have been punished. Hold on a second. This is this is where there's a disconnect, evidently, in the players' union, in the players' association, because the whole investigation took place in concert with the players' association saying, you can talk to our players under one condition. 
to get this investigation. Through immunity. Thank you, Julie. So they they all had immunity. We don't know who spoke. We don't know. Obviously, some guys on the Astros spoke. Yeah. Right. Came forward and said, yep, we were doing this and here's how we did it. They knew they had immunity. So when Cody Bellinger, he has a right to be pissed off. I understand that. He has a right to say that as you suggested that some of the apologies seem, seemed insincere. I thought Correa's apology was the most sincere. I thought Bregman's and Altuve's left a little something to be desired, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. And here's something else, by the way. We haven't talked about this. We didn't do it this last week. The first couple of guys to apologize were damn pitchers. Right? right. They're in the American League. They don't hit. They made no difference to them. Dallas Keuchel, I apologize. Justin Verlander, I apologize. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> right. Right? How about right. the position players apologizing? Yeah. But so Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, they have every right to be upset about that. They have every right to question the sincerity of the apology. So what they don't have a right to do is say, Rob Manfred screwed up. He should have um, penalized these guys in some way, shape or form. They, they couldn't. And you should know that as a member of the Players Association. They have immunity. Yeah. I mean, I think they can say it. They just because they're yeah, they're that angry. Um, do you think the championship should be stripped? No. And here's why. I, I just think, again, that's a slippery slope when you start saying we're going to take a championship away. It's also to let's say there was an immunity. Let's hypothetically for a moment. Let's say there was an immunity. How how do you. Um, penalize players. Do you go, we've learned that uh, in 218 of your at-bats, Jose Altuve, uh, you knew a pitch was coming, and therefore now we're going to suspend you X number of days. Josh Reddick, we understand that you um, didn't utilize this very frequently, but we think it was like 30. I mean, you can't, how are you going to do that arbitrarily? And so when it comes to the championship, everybody will know that it may be tainted. And another... It no is tainted. It is It is tainted. You're, you're correct. And I'm not so sure this thing didn't continue on. I mean, they focused on 2017. I, why, why would it have gone away? Right. Why, why would they stop doing they this? Why would they stop utilizing this in 2018 and they 2019? Wouldn't. They wouldn't. I, I agree with you. Why would they? Right? And you know what else I think? And I don't know if this will be proven. They're still investigating the Red Sox. I don't think the, the Astros are alone. And that's why, you know, if, if you live in a glass house, man, you better be careful. Right. Right? We think they're, they're the only ones who, who scratched their head one day and said, hey, we can use technology to figure out what's coming. So he, what team has not said anything about it? I, 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 <laughs> and that's the team. One other note, because you got me on my soapbox now. I do. Um, here's the punishment for the players who are upset and the fans that are upset that the players were not punished. The Astros were punished. They're they're going to miss a first and second round pick for two straight years, which is enormous. Their clubhouse. Somebody was quoted, Julie. You probably saw this in the last twenty four hours. Said, this is a you know a, a shitstorm in here. It's, they're not having fun in spring training right now, and 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 it's not like it's going to go away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And it's just every gonna, city they go to. Every city they go to. Yep. They're going to deal with it, other than Houston. And if they get off to any any individual gets off to a slow start, it is just going to ramp up. So their punishment is how they are going to have to deal with it on a day in and day out basis going forward. Let's talk a little bit about the rule changes. Okay. That's one thing that that's going to be a constant, right, is um, the criticism of the Astros. One of the constants, there's a few 
rule changes. One, I think there, there's one big one, right? Um, but are those just going to kind of be accepted and we kind of move on on that? Well, the, the most interesting one is now there is a three batter minimum when you bring in a relief pitcher, which really hurts the left-handed specialist, right? Yeah. You, I'm just bringing you in to get you know the big lefty out, and then we're going to take you out of the game. Is that just to save time? Because I love your question because it, everything under Commissioner Manfred has been about speeding up the game, mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a lot of it has to do with trying to appeal to the younger generation. I'm going to get to something else in a moment, mm-hmm. if you remind me. But um, I, I think I think it is, but it changes the strategy. It changes how you, who you keep in your bullpen because now it can't just be the guy who gets lefties out and righties hit 420 against him. And you have to face at least three hitters unless you get the last out of the inning. Or maybe you come in and there's one out and you get the next two guys out. You don't have to start the the top of the next inning or the bottom of the next inning. Yeah. Um, but now we're going to see how managers utilize their bullpen knowing that. Here's another thing that hasn't been brought out, Julie. You, um, you know, you're one of my mainstays in the bullpen. We have a crappy bullpen, so you're one we of the suck. mainstays. Yeah, yeah okay. okay. I'm yeah. sorry. I, th- I hate okay. throwing you under the I, bus like that. I mean, yeah. Okay, okay. go on. So, <laughs> so, so it is. It is Wednesday. You have you threw 24 pitches in the game on Monday. You threw 17 pitches on Tuesday. Manager comes to you, with pitching coach, on Wednesday and says, "You know, Julie, can you are you up or down today? You know, in other words, can can." We utilize you. Mm-hmm. In the past, a relief pitcher who's, you know, throwing a bunch the last couple of days may go, you know, skip, you know, I if you need me for a batter, I'm good. Right. right? That type of thing. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Well, guess what? You can't just send him out there and go, you know, he's got eight, nine pitches in him. Cause you have to keep what if the guy hits a double and then the next guy has a base yeah. hit? You're like, I can't take him out. He's got to face another guy. Right. Now I'm risk now you're potentially risking injury or yeah. him being down even longer. So that's the big one, I guess, that, that mm-hmm. teams will have to get used to. The roster size, right, increased from from twenty five to twenty six. Okay. And then in September, as opposed to anybody on the forty man roster was eligible to be called up September first, that is capped at twenty eight. Okay. So yeah. well, it's a here's why it's a big deal. First of all, I, I love it uh, from a player standpoint, um, and also from a and this is going to help out with the three bat. You can only have thirteen pitchers, by the way. It's not like you can go up. Well, you have fourteen, um, even though it's a twenty-six man roster. It's it's going to um, allow you to keep an extra person, maybe a a, re- a guy that you know just pinch hits and and he rarely plays the field. Or help out with the three batter minimum. Now you have an extra arm in the bullpen. The Rockies will always make sure they have thirteen pitchers uh, going forward. So uh, I, I like that. I also like that it gives another guy an opportunity to to be a big leaguer. Um, the September thing, you know, from calling a game and knowing that oh the, they have twenty seven pitchers down there and and you have eight guys off the bench on the left side and three guys on the right side and mm-hmm. you know was. I know veteran players, especially when if when they were in it, didn't like the f- fact that the clubhouse was so damn crowded. I've seen older visiting clubhouses where they had to put, um, you know, portable lockers up for God's sakes. This is the major leagues because there wasn't enough um, lockers. So I'm I'm glad they're capped at 28. The one thing that I, I feel for a lot of players is 
some players who only get a cup of coffee. Yes. You know where I'm going, Julie. They, cool they, for that player. Right. And they right. may they may look at Mark Stritt matters, a really good friend. He's been a, a terrific catching coordinator for the Rockies mm-hmm. for a number of years. Stritty got up in September one year. He got four major league at bats. He has told me it was the greatest 30 <laughs> days of his of his cool. life. Right. Yeah. He never. It, it, now he probably wouldn't get that because mm-hmm. he wouldn't be necessarily one of the two extra guys, if you will, number twenty-seven and number twenty-eight. That's the downside of it. When we come back, we are going to talk to one of the former Rockies player, Josh Fogger. You caught up with him, which um, that's a, it's a really good interview. We talk a lot about. You guys talked about the Houston Astros situation. You talk about the rule changes. We're going to hear from him in one second, but first, the special message. A special message from our friends at uh, Ideal Home Loans. This company was started because we always talk about local, and we're thrilled that we have so many local participants and big, you know, Rocky supporters as well. Ideal Home Loans is a is one such company. They've been around with Brent Ivinson, who started it since uh, 2001. They're outstanding at what they do. I, I think I say this every week. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. So that speaks to how good they are, how reputable they are, and all you need to know is how to reach them. And that's simple. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. So whether you're buying or refinancing, give them a call. 303-867-7000. They're going to make it really easy for you. They're going to be really efficient. You're going to love uh, being involved with them. I've been involved with them for several years. I've told you that I just uh, did a home loan with them a few months ago, and it went splendidly. So give them a call, 303-867-7000. That's Ideal Home Loans. And they also bring us our interview of the week. I think, Julian, we'll talk about this on the backside. When you look at the history of the Rockies, Josh Fogg is one of those guys that was not a star-level player but had great popularity and continues to have great popularity when it comes to remembering players, former Rockies, with great fondness. He's a terrific guy, and I saw him at uh, Fantasy Camp, and we got a chance to catch up earlier this week. All right, number one question for you. Have you recovered from the week at Fantasy Camp, the annual week? Yeah, it takes about two or three days every time I get back. Uh, The wife is not real happy with me, but... Um, about day one, get home and kind of, you know, get the cobwebs out. And then day two, get back to the normal stuff. And then day three, you're back to 100% ready to go. It, it takes some training to get ready for you guys for fantasy camp, doesn't it? It definitely does. I mean, you can't come in there, you know, off a, off a sobriety month because, you know, that it's just go hard as soon as, you know, camp, the camp day's over. And then somehow those lights at JD's come on at 2.30 every night and you're somehow we're still standing in there. Right, and there's, a, and there's a coach's meeting about five hours later also, right? <laughs> yeah, those are the most fun, though. Those, those get you a little bit excited because someone's going to say something stupid about the day before. and um, You know, there's always some good laughs in there. You, know, you get to experience it this year, and hopefully you get to do it again next year because it's a, it's a good time in there. I'll tell you what, that was a treat for me, kind of being on the other side for the first time. And... Um, the, the draft room is an absolute crack up. I mean, Every single person looks forward to that. Every single, like, the, there's not a doubt, like, that's our favorite part of the whole thing. Like, the other grind, you know, the tryout of the grind, and then you get in that draft room and you get to express your true feelings about how some of these guys play, and that's kind of the best part. Absolutely. Hey, you know what's cool for me? And I, and I say this, you know, when we have the bull session um, and, and all the campers get to ask you guys questions, that group, you know, of yours that went to the World Series in 07, um, it, it, you still have a really unique bond, don't you? 
Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's like we, it's like everybody nowadays. You text, you send a couple texts out, you make a phone call now and again, but as soon as we get back in the same room, it, it might as well be 07, 06 again. You know, it, we just, it, it just clicks again and everybody enjoys each other's company. Um, you know, everybody respects what they do. They ask how their family is, all that stuff. But then you get back to the hanging out and enjoying baseball. You know, you're not in the big league locker room anymore, but this is as close as we're going to get now. You know, how many years removed are we now? 13 years removed. So, um, we really do enjoy hanging out, enjoy telling stories, enjoy reminiscing about, you know, the good old days. Like, I know it's not really that old, but, um, we do, we do enjoy hanging out a lot. Yeah. That's, it, it's awesome. And it comes out, you know, how close you guys were. I think for fans that may not realize um, that that Brian Fuentes, Tito as he's known, is is a closet funny guy, dry wit, quick wit, really funny guy, and, and probably most fans don't know that. No, and on the field he's super intense, you know, he's got that scowl kind of, but he is by far, he was the biggest jokester. Um if, if there was some kind of hijinks going on, you looked at him first. You know, whether, whether it was him or not, you, he always got blamed first. And um, on the buses, was his, that's his time to shine. You know, when he gets a mic in his hand, um, he's not afraid to, to let, it, let it all hang out. He's not afraid to tell you exactly how he feels. And um, There's no holes barred, that's for sure. <laughs> Did he ever get you with an air gun in the clubhouse? Thank God, no. I don't – I mean, I – I had a locker right near his, and I never got shot. Thank God. I mean, I don't know if I was saved for some reason, or he just didn't want to, didn't feel like, you know, getting, making me bleed. I don't know what it was, but I was glad never to get shot with that thing because I know it hurt. And he's one of those guys, right? That if you ever got him pulled a prank on him, it was going to be like exponentially worse his payback to you. Oh, for sure. And you knew, like, even if he got you first you retaliating was going to end up worse for you. Like, cause he's got no filter. He's got no off. He will, he will go until you say, I quit. Like until you say, uncle, he's not afraid to make someone cry. Exactly. Hey, I want to take you back to a game in, Oh boy. I can't even remember what time of year. I want to say it was May. It doesn't matter. The 21 or 22 inning deal in San Diego. And the club, what what your role was, because I can't remember. I don't remember Jack anymore. But what your role was, if you even appeared in that game, or what your role was, more importantly, in the clubhouse from inning 10 to when it ended 11 hours later. <laughs> I don't think I got in the game, no. Um, and, you know, everybody's coming in and out and kind of – everybody wants the game to end, obviously, but they want to win. So it's like – I'm up there hanging out, and they're basically making fun of me because I'm up there, you know, in my sliding shorts and sandals, and I'll get dressed and go down for a couple of days and come back up. And, and the length of starting pitcher is the greatest thing on earth. You know, besides being an NFL quarterback, no one plays less than you do. So and right. you, just, you just get to kind of enjoy it. So um, besides the fact that those games get long, I don't have to stress about it. You know, I want us to win. Great. But I, I, have no, I can't affect the game in any way, shape, or form. I just kind of keep the guys loose. They come upstairs, you know, talk to him for a couple minutes. I'm like, hey, by the way, we're going back out on defense. You should get down there, Todd. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and um, part of the great part of the great story, and, and it was so we're not talking out of school because it's in uh, it's in the book I did, which um, you were kind enough to uh, to participate uh, with, and that and that is that at some point in time, some guys who were now out of the game, so they could no longer play, um, started started doing like good luck shots, right? 
I didn't know. I didn't know you wanted to go that deep. <laughs> well, well, I mean, listen. Nobody's getting in trouble. It's thirteen years ago, and nobody went. To, it's like it's not like somebody was in the game doing shots. They were everybody was out of the game. Everybody was out of the game for sure. It started with the starting pitchers that weren't playing, and um, then guys that they would as they would come out of the game. We'd say, "Hey, we're running upstairs, take a shot. You want to come up?" And they'd like, it's "Like, yeah, let's do it." Like, we called them rally shots, and by the end of that, we we were all a little drunk by the end, but. Um, you know, it's that, that's the best part of baseball. You do fun stuff like that. Um, you know, it used to be rally caps when you were 12. Now we do rally shots when you, after you turn 21. It's kind of, the game's morphed a little bit. Right. Well, we, we up in the booth couldn't obviously partake in something like that, but we were punch drunk by the end of that thing. <laughs> and, and starving, both of those things. Sure, yeah, you're, you're ordering food up there probably every, every other half inning. The problem is that everything had closed down like hours earlier. <laughs> hey, hey, Fogger, what do you what do you have on the top? On unfortunately, the big topic in baseball in the off season with with the whole Houston deal. How do you how do you uh, you know mull that over in your mind? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm definitely falling in line with the, with the rest of the guys that are coming out, I, and I love the fact that superstars are talking out about it now. They're you know you hear Mike Trout say something, you hear Cody Bellinger, the guys that are kind of the face of baseball for the next 10, you know, 10, 15 years, those guys are the ones that need to make their points proven. You know, they don't, no one cares what Josh Fogg thinks about it, but I agree a hundred percent with them that it's, you know, if you know what's coming, imagine telling Mike Stroud what's coming every pitch. He might hit four fifths, play at 500. I mean, who knows? So I think the guys that are, they're talking right now, it's going to really affect how it's in the future of baseball, how things are handled. I don't think Manfred's handled it the right way. I think, um, the whole immunity for the players was I don't know how I don't know how it got to that, but maybe he thought that was the only way to get the truth from them. But um when you're affecting baseball in that way and you know, I know everybody says there's more teams doing it, but I don't think anybody's doing it to the level the Astros were. And uh, you know, to win a win a World Series that way, I think they need to be a little more humble and and accept their responsibility instead of coming out and saying we didn't do it or you know, I don't know what Korea said, I'll too they never did it. You know, I, I I think that's a little bit of BS. Yeah, that that that's kind of hard to uh, fathom when when he came out and said that. Hey, a couple other rule changes I want to ask you about. Two that are going to happen, and um, one potentially that's down the road. What do you have on the three hitter minimum for somebody coming out of the bullpen? I mean, I'm kind of interested to see how it plays out. I don't love the fact that they just you know universally made a change and didn't really. I guess they don't have to ask the players union anymore to make changes. I don't know, but um, I'm interested to see how it plays out and how it affects bullpens in the long haul. I know it's going to affect some left-handed relievers early on, but I think those guys, you know, it's like a, you know, this guy's got to change his game a little bit. He's got to learn to now he's going to learn to change up to get righties out. You know, maybe it helps some of these guys become better pitchers, but um, I don't want to say it's a terrible idea yet because I don't know how it's going to affect the game. So. That's one I'm interested to see this season, and I hope if it sucks that they change it back. You know, I hope they they, right. they retrospectively switch it. Yeah, the the other rule changes I, I would think you'd like at least the first part of this, adding a, a, a roster spot, twenty six man roster, and then in September instead of four hundred guys in the clubhouse, <laughs> it can only be twenty eight. What what's your thought on on both of those? So twenty six guys, great. I mean, I listen. I'm, I might have got to the big league war earlier if there was twenty six guys, especially if they were using a bullpen guy. Or um, it really depends on what the team's strengths are. So uh, a lot of teams are using it differently. 
So I think that's going to be great for guys' careers and guys get a chance to get a cup of coffee and maybe make an impact earlier than they would have. Um, September, I mean, I love September because I, that's where I got my start and ended up getting traded after a good September as a 40-man roster guy. Um, 2018's light, but I know it's, the pace of play in the game is just too slow whenever September comes and you have 18 options in the bullpen instead of, you know, seven as normal. You know, they're making pitching changes every half inning. So, um, uh, 28's a little light for me because, you know, that's a lot of guys, some guys just get September call-ups and that's it in their career. They don't ever get back. So it's going to definitely limit some of the guys that weren't going to get there for a long time. No, I, I, I think that's, I, I think a lot of your brethren will feel the same way. And I think people outside the game don't realize that, you know, there are many people who get the quote unquote cup of coffee or maybe get a shot to show what they can do based on a September call up. And now when you, when you only have 28, but in terms of moving a game along, you know, certainly that'll help. I want to ask you about this. And I, and I think you're going to have an interesting perspective. Having played in both leagues, um, you were always a, a, a cerebral pitcher. I think you still look at the game, you know, from a thinking man standpoint, if you will. The, the DH is coming to the National League. I, I grew up a National League guy. I always preferred, you know, the the chess match between managers when they had to, you know, operate a bench and a bullpen. So if it does in fact come, what do you feel as a former, you know, starting pitcher primarily uh, in baseball? So I, I always looked at my bats as a little bit of a vacation from the game. Like I, I knew if I got up there and there got second and third and one out or less, you know, two, less than two outs, I had to get football and play and get RBI. And but if I was up there, nobody on, two outs, I was talking to the catcher, having a good time. Like, I'm not going to start a, you know, six run rally. I'm probably going to get out. Look at my batting average. It's, 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 a, it's a given. So I, I enjoyed it as like a little bit of break from the stress of, you know, pitching. So I would take it as like a little vacation. Um, but I know there's a lot of pitchers out there that really enjoy hitting. So those guys are a little different breed. They want to get up there and do some damage. They're looking at homers. So, um, I don't love the fact that they're going that there's going to be a universal DH, but I see the fact the point in baseball where it's going to be better for you know another hitter gets you know 500 at bats this year instead of a pitcher getting his you know 250 and you know being terrible. So um, I think it's something that the game's been going towards for a while and people have fought it off for a while, but I think it's one of those things that we can't we can't really fight it anymore. Yeah, I got you. Well, listen, I'll let you go on this one. If uh, the 07, the staple group of the 07 team got together as you get ready to go out on the golf course again, um, who is first and who is runner-up if you were to play a, uh, say, like a 36-hole tournament? <laughs> well, Atkins, Garrett's definitely going to win. He's got a you – know, he strikes a golf ball as well as anybody that I know. Um, I'd like to say that I'm going to compete for a top three spot. I don't know. I know the guys are at a fantasy camp. Corey's the only other one that might have a chance. Uh, Tito's gotten much better over the years. Billy's still terrible. Um, there might be some sleepers. I know. I think Bake Show might be pretty good at golf. I heard that this last trip. So I don't know. Maybe he might have a chance. But I think I, I think I'm going to medal. I think I'm going to get for, I'm going to get second or third. Well, there's two people. One you, you mentioned we can eliminate right now. We can eliminate Spilly completely from ever competing. And that goes for future, too. Um, and, and we can, and we can uh, eliminate the Canadian uh, left-hander. 
He doesn't even like it. He doesn't even want to go out there. <laughs> no. He's played once, and he's like, golf isn't my, it's not my thing. And I'm like, Jeff, just come out and have a couple cocktails with us. He goes, no, yeah. I'm going to go climb. I'm going to go climb a mountain while you guys are golfing. So yeah. that's how he stays in shape. Right. And I'm going to go read the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> I'm going to go be smarter than all of you guys, what he's going to do. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Fogger, it's great catching up. It was great seeing you a couple weeks ago, man. Stay well, and uh, and we'll talk soon. Definitely, Goody. Good seeing you, too. Oh, shot, 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 so, rally shot. Let's talk about the rally shot. <laughs> How did I know that in a whatever that was, 15-minute really interview, interview, Julie would come back with, ooh, that piqued my interest. <laughs> Well, come on. Alcohol. I mean, that was yeah. behind the curtain a little bit. Kind mm-hmm. of fun, right? I had that story um, in 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 my book, mm-hmm. which you can get on the, here's a cheap plug. On the drugovinpodcast.com. Right. Mm-hmm. You can order it through there, as many of you have, and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But um, that's funny. That, that's, that's what I remember. <laughs> no, not that you remember that. But that thing, because I remember oh. that game, and it was, Julie, you were there, maybe, because you were working in San Diego then. No, you weren't. Never mind. You weren't. You were already here. Forget yeah. it. I thought for a moment you were still in San Diego. But your old stopping grounds and the game that wouldn't end went 22 innings. Oh, my gosh. The Rockies end up winning 2-1. to one. And the beautiful thing about baseball, you play so many games, and now guys are out of the game. And you heard, now guys are doing rally shots. Yeah. <laughs> right. I wanted to do a rally shot, but I couldn't. Yeah, I know. You guys talked about that. Um, all right. We're going to switch gears a little bit. That was a great interview with Josh Fogg. I love Fogger. Fogger's yeah. an all-timer. With, uh, hopefully, we'll get to hear from him a little bit later in the season. So let's talk a little bit of before, a little bit of football. Let's talk a bit about, we spent some time last week on Mel Tucker, as many people did, and that's kind of in the rearview mirror. Now it's what's next up for CU. Eric Enemy is reportedly the number one choice that you got in touch with him the day after Mel Tucker made the announcement that he's going to be leaving. It's interesting to me because Eric Bieniemy seems to have to be able to, is a hot commodity, will be able to get a job in the NFL, right? So why would he go back and take a job at CU? Well, here's something. But he's interviewed seven times. For he hasn't gotten a job, job yet in the NFL. And, right. I, and I'm surprised as to why. And you would think next year's got to be his year when the you know half dozen or so NFL jobs come open as they do every year, yeah, right in, in late December, early January. Why do we always assume, Jules, that the NFL head coaching job is more desirable than the major college head coaching job? Because money. Well, we, we, hold on a second. Mel Tucker just left. CU for Michigan State, not for Ohio State, not for it's true. you know Penn State mm-hmm. in the Big Ten, you know big bigger name schools, not yeah. for the University of Michigan. He left for Michigan State. They have a nice tradition. They were in the college football playoff a few years ago, but they're not Ohio State. They're not Penn State tradition wise. Yeah, he left for five and a half million dollars. So how much more? How many guys make more than five and a half million dollars a year in the NFL as a head coach? Well, he's not going to. Eric Bieniemy was not going to make five million at CU, right? No, probably it's not. A, well, but, but if you know, but what? if you if you want to go get him and you want to be competitive, maybe you have to start at a higher number than you just left off with Mel Tucker, which was in the neighborhood of two point seven reportedly. So I think it's maybe personality because because coaching is it at a university is a lot more. I don't know. Um, you're working with a lot more young men, right? When you're working in the NFL, it's guys that have been more established. And I don't know how much coaching 
men's lives you're doing it, do you know what I, where i'm yeah, going abso- with this absolutely so i guess it's what your passion is and i don't know eric the i don't know him well enough at all i don't know him at all players players guy tough guy mm-hmm. um player players like him um i know famously years ago who was the tj running back marcus houston didn't have a great relationship with him transferred up to fort collins uh, but you know you're not, not everybody's going to love you. But Eric ha- Eric is an upbeat guy. Um, I've been around him enough to know that you know he's got charisma. I know he he loves his alma mater, the mm-hmm. University of Colorado. Uh, the one of the differences is Julie in the NFL you can't you don't get to pick your players right. right. Here's your roster. Here's who we drafted in the first round, the second round. Here's you know who we signed in free agency. Go get them. Yeah. In in college. You have you're an active participant in trying to select who is going to play for you. Doesn't but mean you get everybody you go after, but you're helping to select who eventually is going to play for you. I wonder if these candidates also think about you're answering, but in college you're also answering to school presidents, people that are maybe not as devoted to football. In the NFL, it's all about winning football games. In college, there's all kinds of different things. Yeah, and you're, you may fu- not be and you're, the priority. you're fundraising and, mm-hmm. and you're out on the road doing what we were talking about a moment ago, recruiting and mm-hmm. you know, and your livelihood sometimes is attached to the whim of a 17-year-old, right? Right. So it, it's a different dynamic, but for the right personality, and I thought you made a, a great point a little while ago, is that you are helping to mold people a little bit more than the guy who's 29 or 30 and already has, you know, a a family and and is a little more established in terms of who they are and how they're constituted. Um, And and that appeals to a lot of people. I'm involved. I'm in a, you know, an assistant at Arapahoe in baseball. And I love being around young people and being able to impart forget just the knowledge of baseball, but being able to maybe have a, a small little hand in, in helping shape, you know, who they are and what they're about. And I think that appeals to a lot of people, which exists more on a, on a college campus. Speaking of college, I know this really gets, this made you upset during the whole Mel Tucker deal about kids not being able to just transfer when they find out that their coach has taken off to another college. Everything is slanted toward the, the coach, and we discussed this last week, we all use terms in coaching about accountability and integrity and all these things, except if all of a sudden our salary gets doubled. And I think a lot of people can appreciate, oh, man, that's a tough one to turn down. Mm-hmm. So that's why Tucker left. You know, a lot of people naturally are also upset at that. Well, guess what? The kids, I don't care whether the coach left or not, should be able to transfer um, with impunity um, in that they For those of us out. that don't know what impunity is, it means with, without repercussion. Right. They without, can just go. Right. And you don't have to get away. You don't have to uh, – the, the university doesn't have to um, you know, sign a, uh, a waiver letting you out of your scholarship. Right. Right? That you can transfer. Coaches do it all the time. All these kids who just signed an NLI, a national letter of intent, or, or maybe the kids who were on campus already from a year ago who were recruited by Mel Tucker. I'm using him as an example. That's what we're discussing. Why shouldn't they be able to transfer? I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. I know I, I like what you're saying, but on the other end, it might be a shit show if if okay. any kid can go anywhere at any time at his his or her whim. It's you're going back and forth and back and forth. We shouldn't say to everybody just because this one person committed to a place and didn't really live up to the commitment that that's okay now for everybody. I 
I think it is patently unfair to the student athlete. I'll give you an example. Um, a buddy of mine, and and his son is is like a, almost a son to me. He was playing at baseball at Regis University, Division two school, non revenue sport. Right? I mean, Division two most most sports are non revenue. He transferred to Bucknell, a Division one school, low level Division one. They don't give athletic scholarships. A high academic school. He petitioned the NCAA to allow him to play immediately. His coach also left, by the way, at Regis. The NCAA, kid going from a a D2 school to a small-level D1 in a non-revenue sport, the NCAA said, nope, you have to sit out a year. And at Bucknell, they don't redshirt because, again, their rules in the Patriot League are a little different, so they don't redshirt. Typically, he mm-hmm. so he lost a year of eligibility. That's crazy. Yeah, it's unfair. And if you say, well, you know, it's going to be a shit show. People are going to be leaving left and right. Well, look at the portal now. People are leaving, mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit sitting out, and 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 coaches now keep in basketball and football keep a scholarship in their pocket or two in case they look at the portal and they go, oh wow, there's Julie Brownman. She she just put her name in the portal. She's leaving the University of Georgia. She was a five star kid coming out of high school. So uh-huh. that's going on right now and if you want to keep your your folks well you know what do a great job and and care about your kids and hopefully 90 percent of them will stay and some are going to leave and that's life just like you can pick up and leave and and not have to sit out a year yeah i think i just said that to say that sometimes i like to just argue with you so why is the ncaa then why does the ncaa not allow that well the ncaa has a lot of archaic rules and yet they you know still want you know (laughs) The NCAA has a number of rules for me that make no sense. And that, I I understand the premise of it, that people are worried about the players shouldn't run around left and right. They finally given in a little bit. I mean, Jeremy Bloom, remember the Mm -hmm. the crime that was Jeremy Bloom, who was this fantastic skier and was able to make money. We celebrate that. If if I'm a business major and you and I are, you know, at at, – you know, lead school of business at the University of Colorado, and we come up with some great app, yeah. and we're it's able to make a lot American of money. Way. They're celebrating us, right? right. Hey, right. our two juniors, Julie Brown and Drew Goodman, they came up with this app, and they've made you know mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, we're 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 putting them right. on on every billboard we can, and saying, hey, at the lead school, this is some of the our. our why? But in sport, Jeremy Bloom was a great skier. He also happened to be a football player, and now we're going to make him ineligible because he makes money as a as a skier. That made no sense. Yeah, that's got to change. That's well, it change. is finally. Mm-hmm. Can you come down from your soapbox? Um, no, I'm going to stay. I, we're, the show is going to end, but I'm going to stay on my soapbox. Okay. So I'm going to argue with you off the air. Okay. Want to remind you, as Drew and I are about to start arguing again, May 11th, come down and see us at the Maven Hotel, the official hotel of the Colorado Rockies. It's basically right. It's in the the milk market. If you've been there down at the dairy block, we'll be there at seven o'clock. We'll do our podcast live. Boyer's Coffee will be there. And after you're going to do some Q&A. So if you if people out there, if you have questions that you want Drew to answer, he will answer every single question about every single topic in life. Cool. Really? <laughs> You'd be impart, really imparting wisdom that night. Actually, I'll be just back from uh, spring training at that point. So uh, that'll be fun. Looking forward to that at the Maven on the 11th. We'll see you next week.